Do you like sharing news? I think it depends on what the news is, right? Uh, for instance, when I was a kid, I did not enjoy telling my mom the news that I put a hole in the wall. I, was, uh, <laughs> I had a putter for golfing, and I was swinging it like a baseball bat in our house. And as I swung through, the putter wouldn't come back because it was stuck in the wall. I didn't enjoy telling my mom that. Nor did I enjoy telling her that I put a hole in the wall with my brother's head. Uh, that was not good news either. We had these big blow-up chairs, and we thought it would be a good idea to hold on to them and run at each other and bounce off, and we were having a great time. Until one time when I thought it would be a little more fun if I extended my arms to get a little more force. And I, uh, there was a little more force, knocked my brother backwards, put a, a hole in the wall with his head. Didn't enjoy telling my mom that news. Nor did I enjoy telling my mom the news uh, that I spell, spilled red Kool-Aid all down our staircase that was carpeted with white carpet with blue specks. Didn't enjoy telling that news either. We don't like telling bad news. Bad news is no fun to tell. To be honest with you, the only reason I probably told my mom uh, those, that bad news is because there's no way of avoiding it. She's going to see the hole in the wall. She's going to see the red uh, Kool-Aid on the carpet. If I could have gotten away with it, I wouldn't have told her. We don't like sharing bad news, but good news we enjoy sharing, right? We enjoy telling people we made the team. We enjoy coming home from school and saying the good things that happened at school, that you got an A on the test. We love coming uh, to people and saying, we're getting married, we're pregnant, I got the job promotion. We love sharing good news. But what if God is calling you and me to share both good news and bad news? That's what we're going to talk about today as we look at Daniel chapter 5 as we continue in this series called uh, There's Another in the Fire. You and I, we, we are Christians, their home is in heaven, and we are living in this world that uh, is not our home. And we can have fiery ordeals, the Bible calls it, fiery hardships. And when we do have those fiery hardships, the promise is that there's another one here with us and God is with us. And that's important as we talk about spreading the news today as we look at Daniel chapter 5. Let me give you some background uh, if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks. Daniel chapter 5 takes place around 540 B.C. The beginning of Daniel takes place around 600 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, modern-day Iraq, comes over, takes over the, uh, Jerusalem, and brings to Babylon some of the nobility and some of uh, the wiser people in society. Four of those people are Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and his friends quickly become part of Nebuchadnezzar's administration. And that's what we hear about the, their interactions with Nebuchadnezzar from the first four chapters of Daniel. We turn to Daniel chapter 5. Fifty years has passed since chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar has died. He handed his throne over to his son-in-law, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had no interest in ruling. Uh, he was more interested in traveling 
and more interested in uh, redoing temples. And so that's what he did. And he gave his throne to his son, Belshazzar. Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. He's on the throne. Fifty years has passed as we begin Daniel chapter 5. And here's what we're told. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the kings and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. The great kingdom of Babylon was actually in decline at this very moment. Uh, A few weeks before this event, the Medes and the Persians had joined forces and tried to attack Babylon. Babylon sustained it and they fought them off, but now they knew there are nations coming after this great nation of Babylon. Now, imagine that you're Belshazzar, imagine that you're the king of Babylon and you've just been attacked and you know that people are gunning for you. What would you be doing with your time? Planning? Organizing, strategizing, uh, beefing up your military, not Belshazzar. Instead, he takes all his officials, all his governing officials, thousand of them, and he throws a huge party. He has women everywhere. He has wine, more wine than they need. And they're getting drunk, and they're throwing down, and they're having a party. It's in the middle of this party that Belshazzar crosses a line. He has somebody go and get the gold goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, took from the temple in Jerusalem. These gold goblets were in God's temple. And he fills them with wine, and they not only drink from it, but they toast to the gods of gold, wood, iron, silver, and they completely mock God. You see, Belshazzar had a heart of complete mockery toward God. Not only did he not care about the God of the Jews, but here he's almost daring him to do something about it. In his mind, the God of the Jews must be really small. Because the Jews have been in captivity there for almost 60 years now. 70 years. And he hasn't done anything about it. And so here... I'll show you what I, what I think of you. I'm going to take the gold goblets that were in your temple, God of the Jews, and I'm going to toast to false gods with them. Complete and utter mockery. The party is going on. The mockery is going on. When all of a sudden it's like the music stops. Because here's what's happened. Here's what happened. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote, 
His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The party is raging on, and all of a sudden everything goes quiet. It's like the music stops as a scene from a horror movie is taking place. Fingers, a hand not connected to a human body at all, is writing on the wall. Everything goes silent. The, the thousand plus people there, everyone is silent as they look at the king whose bright pink face from all the wine has suddenly gone white. With wine still dribbling off his beard, his legs start shaking and he needs to sit down because everyone is terrified. This hand is writing, these fingers are writing on the wall. And then just like that, it disappears, leaving the writing right there on the wall. And so guess what Belshazzar does? If you've been following us the, these pa uh, past couple weeks as we're looking through Daniel, you know what the kings of Babylon do when they have no idea what's going on. He calls the wise men of Babylon in. Tell me what this means. But nobody can and just when he's about to despair, the queen mother comes in. And he says, she says, Belshazzar, there's a man in your kingdom named Daniel who served in Nebuchadnezzar's administration. He's got the spirit of the gods on him, and he interprets dreams. Let's call him in. It seems almost incredible, but 50 years has passed. Daniel is now in his, in his 80s, and he's been completely forgotten. In fact, when he comes in to see Belshazzar for the first time, Belshazzar says, Are you Daniel? I've heard about you. He's never met him. This is how removed Daniel has been. And he says, Can you translate this for me? Can you tell me what this means, what, what this writing on the wall means? And Daniel says, Yes. But before I do, I've got a message for you. And here's Daniel's message. He tells him all about King Nebuchadnezzar and how God humbled him. And then Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself. Here's what he says. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel parson. Here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel says, I'm going to translate what's been put on the wall, but before I do, Belshazzar, I've got bad news for you. You have not humbled yourself. In fact, you have set yourself up against the God of this world. Pretty good definition of sin, isn't it? God and sin are on opposite ends of the spectrum. God hates sin. And every time we sin, we align ourselves with sin and have put ourselves against God. 
Belshazzar, you have not humbled yourself. In fact, you have completely mocked God by bringing the goblets from his temple into this party, drank wine, and toasted to other gods. And the bad news? Your life is in God's hand, and you have not honored him. Several hundred years later, the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians, uh, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Belshazzar mocked God. He partied, he raged on, and he mocked God. And a man reaps what he sows. And Daniel says, here's what these words mean. Mene means that your days have been numbered and your reign has come to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and you've been found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided. Just bad news for Belshazzar. If you were Belshazzar, how would you respond? I think if you or I had that message told us, we would repent, we would be sorrowful, we, we would ask God to forgive us, not Belshazzar. He praised Daniel, gave him a purple robe, put a gold chain around his neck, and said, you are now the third highest in my kingdom. It's almost as if, okay, great, I got the message, but your God still isn't enough for me. And now he reaps what he sows. He mocked God God judges him, and what's the judgment? Death. That night, that same night that this whole event took place, the Medes and the Persians break through the walls, and they kill him. A man reaps what he sows. So what do we learn about from all this? What do we take away from it all? You and I live in a world where the party rages on, where God is mocked, where people take the consecrated things, things that God has consecrated, and desecrate them. We, we look at human life that God has consecrated, and we desecrate it. We look at sexuality that God has consecrated, and we desecrate it. We look at, at identity of people God's special possession that God has consecrated and we desecrate it. We see the mockery of God in this world. Uh, we see it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, people openly mocking God. And how do we respond? We say, God bring the judgment. Go get him. But do you know what smacks you and me right in the face? God has called us to be his ambassadors, to spread the news, just like Daniel, to stand before kings and princes and, and leaders and people who are partying on and tell them the bad news and the good news. Daniel didn't have to tell the king this bad news. He could have just came in and translated what was on the wall and left, but instead, he gave him the bad news. You're sinning. Repent. You're sinning. You're out of line. And yet we keep quiet. 
There's a story about a, an owner, a, a gallery owner, who tracked down one of his artists and said, hey, I've got good news and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? And the artist said, well, I, I guess I'll take the good news. Here's the good news. Some man came into the gallery today and was looking at your paintings, and, and he asked, when this man dies, will the paintings be worth more? And I said, well, of course. And so the man bought all of your paintings. And the artist said, well, this is great news. What could possibly be the bad news? The bad news, the owner said, is the man claimed to be your doctor. This doctor had the, this life-changing news for this man, this artist, and he didn't even tell the guy. He didn't even tell him. And how often don't you and me do the very same thing? We have this life-changing news, and we keep it to ourselves. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God, and that is what some of you were. That's what some of us were. We all were. And yet our lives have been changed by this message, by this news. And yet how often don't we look to other things to change people's lives? We look to elect political leaders who can then uh, change people outwardly. We look to our education system uh, and our teachers to teach and educate our children and other children to bring change. And we keep quiet with the news that we have. Yes, the bad news and the good news. You see, because unlike me spilling red Kool-Aid down the stairs, this news we can hide, right? As long as we don't speak out, nobody's going to know the difference whether I have the message or not. Why is it that we keep quiet? Fear. Fear of abuse. Fear of making things awkward. Fear of losing our life. At least the life that we want to live. Daniel legitimately had a reason to fear. He's talking to the king right now. The king could have heard all this and put him to death, and yet Daniel knew whose hand he was in. Not the hand of the king, but the hand of his God. See, the question that you and I have to wrestle with is if this message, if the news in this book has changed our lives so much, then why don't we speak out? Because we've lost sight of what's important. And just like Belshazzar, who had been weighed on the scales and found wanting, 
you and I have been weighed and found wanted, wanting as well. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God and we have that message and we keep quiet. And we deserve judgment just like Belshazzar. So why don't we receive it? It's because of what another hand wrote. That hand has a hole through it. And it's connected to the body of Jesus. That hand is connected to a body that has a hole in his side and holes in his feet as his hands and feet were extended on the cross where his blood was shed for you and me. And what has Jesus' hand written next to your name in heaven? Three words. Not mene, tekel, paris, but washed, sanctified, justified. Next to your name in heaven, written in blood, is washed. You have been washed in the waters of your baptism where God promises that he forgives your sins as he connects you to the death and resurrection of Jesus. In your baptism, he promises that he's adopted you into his family. He's put on the robes of righteousness, Christ's robes of righteousness on you. You have been sanctified through the word of God. The Holy Spirit continues to work on your heart and sanctifies you every day, makes you holy as he grows you deeper in the forgiveness that Jesus gives you. And next to your name written in blood by the hand of Jesus is justified, declared not guilty. You are declared innocent of all of your sins. All because of Jesus because of his outstretched hands for you and me. This is the news that has changed your life. Remember what Paul says. This is what some of you were. You no longer are. Why? Because somebody at some point in your life told you you are sinning. Stood just like Daniel and said, you have not humbled yourself. You are sinning. Repent. And then told you the good news. That God loves you enough that he sent his one and only son who stretched out his arms to die for you and me so that we have a right relationship with God. So that we are declared innocent before the God of the world. This is the news that has changed your life, not just now, but forever. Because your status in heaven has been changed. It's been changed. You are now a blood-bought child of God who's had their sins completely washed away. You are a citizen of heaven. And because you are a citizen of heaven, that message has changed the way you live here in this foreign country. This is the message we have. This is the news that we have to share. This is what is important. And so how do we share it? Because we don't want to come across judgmental. We don't want to come across as holier than thou. So how do we go about this? Maybe this will help. Imagine you're a beggar living on the streets. And, and every day, what are you concerned about? Where are you going to get food and water? 
maybe safety in there too. One day, you're begging, you're looking for food, when you come across an unending supply of food. You don't know how it works, it's just, you just take the food, you eat it, and more appears. You take more, you eat, you eat until you're full, and there's still more. Imagine how wonderful of a day that would be. You're never going to have to worry about this again. You're never going to have to worry about where your next meal's coming from. It's going to be one of the most joyous days that you've ever had. Now, as you are just stuffing yourself because it's an unending supply of food, now imagine your friend is walking down an alley. You see them turning down an alley where you know there's no food because you've already been there. Would you let your friend go down that alley? No. Instead, what would you do? Hey, there's no food that way. Come over here. I've got an unending supply of food. Come and eat. This is how we spread this message. As one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. This is a humility that we spread this message with. We spread this news with a humble heart. Not that we're better, but that the grace of God has touched our heart has changed our life, changed our status in heaven from a sinner to a saint, a holy one, washed by the blood of Jesus. This is the news that we have and this is the news that we spread to other people. And as we do, God will change hearts. We don't have the responsibility of changing people's hearts because we can't. Our responsibility is to spread the news and as we do, God will change lives. That's our mission here at Divine Savior, changing lives with Jesus, not just here on earth, but forever in heaven. And so today we're going to do two things. We're going to pray that this week God brings somebody into our life that we can share this news with. And then number two, we're going to pray that God give us the courage to spread this news to more and more people. And so let's end today. Let's close with a prayer. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer, and we'll close with a song. Let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you that somebody at some point shared this news with us, that uh, told us and had the courage to tell us that we are sinning, and then told us the good news that Jesus lived, died, and rose for us. We thank you for changing our status in heaven, and we can't wait to be home with you. This week, we ask two things. Number one, lead somebody into our life that we can share this news with. Help us then to have the courage to share that news and give us the words to say to change people's lives. We ask that you be with us, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to continue to strengthen our faith and then to give us the courage and the boldness to share the news with others. We ask all this in Jesus' name. It's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.